Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief, joined by you. It's Joe Brockin' Seven, man. (laughs) Why are we doing this? Good gravel in your voice right there. Oh, man. Can we do the whole podcast like this? No way, Jose. Well, you know, I don't have to be a singer no more, so uh, I don't mind <laughs> shooting my voice to shit. Uh, Let's do it, brother. No, no, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> that was good while it lasted. Yeah, dude, you will not be able to speak tomorrow. People either have that gravel naturally, and it, it does come with a, a lifetime of hard liquor and 100 cigarettes a day, <laughs> or you don't. And, uh, you know, you, you can't really bridge the gap, at least not healthily. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Chief, um, buddy, how stuff. are you? First thing I need to do out the gate is thank my uh, good buddy and co-host SJub7 for the sensational work he did <laughs> on the YouTube Cobra Convergence 5 contribution from Talking Joe. So if you're not aware, I'm sure you are, you know, no one is unaware of this because we talked about it for the last few weeks, but we did that special for Cobra Convergence every day in August, a special Cobra piece of content by Joe creators across the globe. And for Talking Joe, we reviewed and discussed the four-issue miniseries called Cobra from 2009 I think it was and that went up on the podcast but it also went out on YouTube with slight differences so the podcast version I think had the additional snacks for the show oh man those snakes I had were great and the cover of beer um, <laughs> and you had some crazy ones as well and then for the YouTube one we added in some dramatization of a few scenes from the book so you get a little bit of extras uh, no matter which version you're, you're consuming there but um, you did a great job putting all the visuals up uh, for that YouTube one so thanks for that buddy Oh, thanks, Chief. It was a blast. I'm glad we finally got it out the door, and I'm glad you let me kind of run with it. I mean, I hatched the plot to maybe dramatize some of the scenes and just kind of almost like that um, Metal Gear Solid style of like very little movement on the panel, but, you know, all the drama is in the voice and the art style. Uh, If there is a comic to, to, to set scenes to kind of radio play acting, this is the one. It's just got such a realistic tone. And I have to also pass on some, some congratulations and some props to my man Chief for tendering an excellent hawk voice. Oh, oh yeah. Well, no, it was okay. I'll give it 70%. But um, my favorite, though, was the standout. Um, you, you could self aside is uh, the, the, the lovely young lady you got to voice um, Jinx from the episode three. Uh, Jenny Stead, uh, Mm. a good friend of mine from way, way, way back when, when we did children's theater in a shopping mall as kids. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She is quite an accomplished actress, um, an absolute national treasure back home. So uh, very, very fortunately, she was able to do it kind of last minute. I asked someone else and that that female flaked. So Jenny tended an incredible job. (laughs) 
And and even kind of added, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, since she played Jinx in that scene, the scene, uh, yes. she... I briefed her and said, like, okay, this character is Japanese American, or sorry, Chinese American in this retelling. If you could layer a little hint of that, that'd be great. She totally knocked it out of the park, man. Yeah. yeah. She's what's, got- her, what's her country of origin then? She's South African, yeah. Oh, she is South African, yeah. right? Okay, when you said she, you did it back home. Oh, right, wow. So she, she's, yeah. My country of origin is still South Africa, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing going to rinse the blood out of my veins. The green, the green from my, my body. That's it, mm. that's it. Chiefy, how the hell have you been, my man? Yes, um, well, uh, bought a fan, Inside Chief's, uh, unexpected Inside Chief's <gasps> Mind. Inside Chief's Mind. Do, 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 so, do, it got up to, do, I don't know what sort do, of temperatures do, you're getting up do, there. I'm do, working do. in, uh, you know, um, centigrade, and it was 35 here, mm. which is hot for the UK, and I bought a fan, it was a £100 fan, and it kind of oscillates left, right, up, down. You can program the speeds up to 12 speeds. It's supposed to be whisper quiet. Uh, you can put timers on it and all that kind of jazz. It senses the temperature in the room. And you've got an eco mode, so it will do a speed. And as a preset speed for that temperature. And as the temperature drops, it will automatically lower its speed. To How compensate. hot is it in the loft relative to the heat outside? Because 35 is hot regardless. But yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure you're a degree or two hotter in yes. your loft with no windows and no circulation. I think I am. I think I am. But no, the, the story was after three hours, the fan broke. And Oof. I don't know if that's because it has a remote control and the kid thought it was a toy. So for about an hour, the kid <gasps> was just mashing every single button she could. Loving and, it. Oh, sweetheart. And, um, and so then I... You sent me a picture, mate. Oh, a video clip of, of Evelyn. I did. Just like playing with yeah. all the fans she's That's discovered right. she this g- magical device yeah she gave me the smallest one we had the handheld <laughs> one anyway um <laughs> but no suffice to say that now two days later it has mysteriously started working again which is the good bit okay okay so i don't have that in the loft that's downstairs <laughs> i have i have got another not the small handheld. i have got a bit of a tower fan so if there is a a slight dull buzzing in the background i can't hear it because i've got my headphones on if the listeners can hear it tough shit because i'm leaving that fan on <laughs> To answer your question, though, uh, it's a, a lovely 26 degrees at uh, yeah. half past eight in the evening in Very Queensland. Nice. Daytime highs are, are approaching 30, but not not quite that much. That's winter okay. for you in the Sunshine State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I don't know if you've got any of your food left. It's time to talk <laughs> about snacks because you sent me a picture and it looks like a lovely meal you've got there. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built around jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knock out snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there, his house. Chief, yeah, man, we had dinner about an hour ago, so I I don't have a, a dedicated snack for the show. I do have some uh, some dried biltong, of course, my trusty snack <laughs> alongside, course. so I won't be going without. But Kim discovered she has a knack for rolling out her own fresh. I call it pasta. She calls it noodle. <laughs> can you tell our cultural differences? Yes, yes. You, you can indeed. And she fights me on this. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a fantastic machine. She got it on offer, which she absolutely loves and is very proud about. Yes, um, yes. I haven't asked what the price, the price was, but <laughs> okay. it makes damn good, really fine noodles. Um, mm. I just said noodles, not pasta. Okay. <laughs> 
Hey, Chief, have you ever rolled out your own fresh, fresh pasta? Yes, I have. So I had one of those, the old school machine, you know, where it's a big metal machine. You clamp it on. Maybe this is a kind of similar thing. You clamp it onto yeah. the side of the kitchen counter. Oh, yeah. And you've got settings where you can, it goes between two rollers and you pull yes. the handle around and it goes through sheets and you just keep doing it, folding it, keep putting it through. So I have done that a couple of times. Um, but I say a Tedious, couple of times but... in the last like five years. And I think it's now in a cupboard gathering dust. But uh, an old, a quick trick for pasta that I learned from Jamie Oliver is you put your whatever your flour in a food processor flour i think you put a little bit of olive oil and then some fresh spinach and that's it blend it Mm. and it will mix up to a dough uh, a green dough now and you just put a ball between your fingers and then roll it till it comes out to like a kind of a runner bean kind of or a pea pod Mm. kind of shape nice kind of thin and then literally just boil that in water and you've got kind of green spinach pasta that, that was actually quite nice terrific jeez mm. okay good old jamie man keeping it simple yeah yeah uh but uh yes yeah, so you got, chief? what you got i've what you got? i've got it is uh mrs chief's birthday today <gasps> and and he's spending I... a full hour with you <laughs> lovely people and me included aren't we lucky you are so our normal uh peek behind the curtain our you our old recording time used to be tuesdays for to the pod to go on a thursday and tuesdays was good because the kid was uh, in school and the missus was at work so i'm up in the loft record no problem at all uh, and when the missus had a tuesday off that was fine i could do it in the loft uh, but then we switched to wednesdays and a bit tight now it only gives uh, well a bit tight for s jobs because it only gives him what you know one day's editing time but today on the wednesday in question it is the missus birthday <coughs> excuse me i've got the gravel from that opening still in my throat <laughs> and i had forgotten to take the day off work so i'm shh, i'm up in the loft on the pretense that i'm doing work which allows me to to be up here for this uh, hour and a half so yes i'll move on swiftly but i make me and the, me and <laughs> it's a very lively meeting you've got chief you're very animated <laughs> for some reason instead of the usual yeah. drudgery of work <laughs> that's it me and evelyn made a birthday cake and there are some shavings left over i'll put pictures up so Please, listeners, check out the socials. This cake mm. looks incredible. It's a six-tier uh, chocolate vanilla alternating layer cake with homemade buttercream in the middle. Then we got some digestive biscuits, crush them up, put the green food coloring on that makes it into look like grass. Then you sprinkle that over, and then we put some woodland animal creatures of Evelyn's toys on the top, and uh, it's like a woodland woodland cake. Mm. Very nice. But this is, I'm not eating the actual cake. We haven't cut it. That's like sha- <laughs> shavings, leftovers. Oh, very good. Mm. And I'm so grateful that uh, Evelyn still has toys. Um, mm. You know, I believe your your missus has a very minimalist approach when it comes to toys. Yes, it's kind of like um, you know, if it hasn't been played with for two weeks, it's gone. It's down in the charity shop. So, and I'm yeah. pretty sure there are as a contingent of listeners who who really get upset with that notion who uh, rue the day they, they return home from school their parents had turfed out their entire G.I. Joe collection. Oh, oh man, not you, is it? Horror stories, no, but the amount oh. of people that write in on YouTube comment threads and stuff saying, oh, I had that figure, but my folks sold my collection like to charity or gave it to charity. Oh, dreadful. No, we do this thing called Whirly, which is a toy rental. So you go online, you get tokens, like 90 tokens, then you browse the catalogue, you select those toys, they send them to you in the post, keep them as long as you want. Does that fly in the age of COVID-19, though, Chief? Well, 
probably shouldn't no i mean they say look when every toy we get back we clean it thoroughly disinfect it and all that kind of stuff but you know you probably we should probably shouldn't be doing it i guess but it's for us it's perfect because it means we don't have to buy new toys i'm not against toys but how many kids just have excess amounts especially of plastic which is not good i know we're i know this is probably not the podcast or the genre (laughs) or the the forum to be talking about the the ills of plastic but plastic is not good um in especially anything around food but you know if you're handling plastic if it's got bpa in it it's coming onto your fingers and into your bloodstream it's actually not good we shouldn't really be having plastic toys but before i get shout down shot down by everyone listening to this podcast (laughs) yeah so we do this thing where you send the toys back and you can actually when you've got the toys you can actually order new toys to arrive and you don't have to send yours back till your new ones come so you're never without a toy selection. But it's good because most kids get bored of toys within a couple of weeks. So this way, you're just on a cycle of stuff. And if you want to get something you've had six months ago, just order it again and get it. So it's, it's really good, really good system. Really enjoying it at the moment. But anyway, enough of that jazz. Uh, I'm here to talk comics. It's comic talk. It's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Oh yeah. We've got a triple whammy Amazing. this week. We've got 209, 210 and 211. Now let's check out the covers. 209 and this is, I've got the, the regular cover, uh, Galant and Brown. And this is again a theme we've had a couple of times. I think we mentioned it last episode. And we'll mention it again. This is a vehicle with Joes on, but here we've actually got the Cobras on it. About time too. We've had the Mean Dog loaded to bear with Joes. We've had the Rolling Thunder as well with yep. Spirit letting fly on that arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here we have G- the, the Cobra sort of big wigs all unleashing hell off of a maggot. Yes. Chief, what do you yes. think of the maggot, man? Good vehicle. Really enjoy it. Like you it. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. You a fan? I'm a bit lukewarm. And I've okay. actually got one alongside me right now. I've never really warmed to it. I only bought it because it was to hand. I, I found right. it out in the wild in uh, the Philippines. Right. Mm. Yeah. What's your opinion on uh, having dialogue on a comic book cover? I don't mind it if it adds something to it. And here, I don't think it adds anything to it. Okay, fine. The twins are saying that scar looks like it's gone completely OTT on his cheek mm, um, it's also on the wrong cheek okay <laughs> ever have deja vu only when i'm with you doesn't do anything to the actual story of the cover yeah if he was talking <laughs> about deja vu and then he referenced yes we've had other covers like this recently something along those lines yes okay fine that would be deja vu but mm. um, the joke falls flat because they're not referencing the fact that this is Gallant riffing on his previous covers. Yeah, no, yeah you're right. Yeah. It's a setup with uh, the wrong payoff. Yeah, I do like the fact that the logo is all smashed up by the maggot's barrel. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's quality. And, and Serpentor uh, like makes Serpentor. an appearance, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back from the dead. Very yeah. timeiest for this issue, in fact. That's right, this that's arc. right. Very good. Uh, there's also a subscription cover by Antonio Fuso, in fact, who drew the, the Cobra series that we recently discussed. I love and this cover so much, Chief. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love yeah, it. Even the, the fact three... that Copperhead looks like a Transformer. <laughs> it does, yes. That is a little bit odd shaped, but it's good. Got a bit of menace about that cover. And these are the three kind of um, Cobra guys who crop up with Fred as well. So it is relevant to the issue. 
love the side eye that Firefly's giving. Oh, it's yeah. just terrific. Jeez. What about this retailer incentive? It looks like Storm Shadow chopping the head off a Blue Ninja. Uh, could be Storm Shadow. It could be any number of uh, similarly clad characters. There is another one that we'll get into um, that yep. it could be. But mm, Larry, I think, has forgotten that uh, the Blue Ninjas don't run around with Arashikage hexagrams because a detail that you've probably not been able to pick up on in your insert is the fact that the Blue Ninja getting its head chopped off has a hexagram on its back. Oh, yeah, I see that now. Yeah, you're right. uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's a little bit erroneous. Yes. Um, Let's move forward to number 210, and this is Serpentor busting out of his cryo chamber or his liquid, his back-to-tank, if you will. (laughs) If it didn't say G.I. Joe and Larry Harmer on top with Scarlet in the box, uh, would you think this is a G.I. Joe cover? No, not at all. Yeah, man. It's very generic. It's, I guess, relevant to the G.I. Joe story, but like you say... It doesn't mean anything to the passerby. I love it, though. I'm not saying it's a bad cover at all. I think it's a great cover. Yeah, man. A little bit of nude Serpentor on the cover. Woohoo. Never get tired of seeing that. We get another (laughs) Antonio Fuso subscription cover as well. I didn't know it was Fuso again. Thanks for pointing that out, Chief. Yeah, he's knocked out of the park again. A little bit more abstract. It's like Cloak from Cloak and Dagger. Serpentor's cowl is kind of like swallowing up the city. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good one. Um, and then moving on to two ten, uh, sorry, two eleven. A bit more of a straightforward cover. Joe vehicle with Joe's on board. Yeah, <laughs> back into Gallant's wheelhouse, but he's once again knocked it out of the park in the details on the Wolverine. And the Wolverine is a tank or armored, not even armored vehicle, a sort of artillery weapon that does not get much page time, don't you think? Correct. It's a Correct. classic, but it's kind of an underutilized classic. Yeah, and it's a good, it's a good vehicle in terms of kind of like you know fast response attack vehicle because it's it's very nimble nippy it's got the tread so it's kind of an all-terrain vehicle as well highly armored a um, lot of ordnance there so i think it, and it's, a it's a great operator oh, and a great operator yeah. and outback is this vehicle is clearly moving because look at the stone chips being flown up um on the ground by the the treads but he is just standing rock solid, so he is um he has got maybe he's got his boots in some pegs or something. Who is he? George Washington. Damn man. <laughs> yeah, um, he's totally got his boots on those uh, foot yeah, pegs. That's it. <laughs> so there's a couple of um other covers as well. There's a Ron Wagner subscription cover, which is Serpentor in his full garb, minus cloak, with his boot on Cobra Commander's neck and lower lower jaw. It shouldn't be too hard to stomp on Cobra Commander. I mean, everyone else has been treating him like a doormat up to this point. Easy pickings, yeah. And there's Mm, also, I've got a very small retailer exclusive cover by Jen Brommel and Colours by Barry Gregory, which is kind of a sexed up Baroness poolside or seaside reading a book. Wahoo. Always Mm. Baroness, huh? She's yeah, always yeah. the go-to. No, that's cool. Sex sells. Yep. Before we get into the, the chunky meat inside these three issues, we do need to find out what's been going on recently. So, last time on A Real American Hero. After Pale Peony's death, G.I. Joe storm Revanche's Dublin facilities and stumble on more than they bargained for. Attack cyborgs of all sorts and the original host controlling Android 921. The team barely make it out, but Pale Peony is finally avenged. Meanwhile, Cobra's sleeper agents both face road bumps. One is tested by his own family, while another gets a visit from Scrap Iron, Copperhead, and Firefly. Chief, 
Scarlett is rocking the merch on the very first page. She's got a, a mug that says, Joe's holding down the fort. Wadsworth. <laughs> Brilliant. Top Brilliant. secret military organization, but they definitely have a teespring. Yes, yes, yes. Um, early on here, you know, there's quite a lot going on. I'll, I'll say this straight up front. This is probably some of the most buck wild sci-fi-ish superhero-ish joe issues we've had and i don't think i'm a fan hmm. yeah anyway. it was an entertaining read for me regardless but yeah <laughs> it's batshit crazy man yeah yeah there's, a, there's some sean collins stuff going on here where he's previously we heard that he was going to apply and i'd commented that look it's not just a shoe in to get into gio it's not just say yeah i want in yeah you can come and do it but as it turns out it kind of is sean's led to believe that he didn't cut the mustard he didn't make the grade um, because he's being posted somewhere else but that is all a ruse and later on through these three issues we find out that he has actually been redirected to the pit and he is a gi joe and his name is throwdown yeah that moment as he steps off the the c-130 and roadblocks like mm, we should make up a code name for you uh you look like you're spoiling for a fight so let's call you throwdown <laughs> yeah. you know it had that kind of arbitrariness that uh Han Solo's name from Solo, a Star Wars right. story, had. Yes. It's like, hmm, Han, you're here on your own. Yeah. Solo! <laughs> you know? <laughs> Is that how code names are, are, are originated? I guess I think so. so, yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever Jeez, crap pops it? in someone's head, yeah. And and Roadblock is definitely the go-to when it comes to getting a catchy handle. I mean, the man's yes. full of rhymes. That's right, that's right. Incidentally, the dagger that Snake Eyes gifts Sean yep. uh, as he leaves Fort Wadsworth is a real thing. Uh, designed okay. by a pair of Brits in Shanghai in 1941. Mm. It's called the Sykes Fairborn Dagger. It's about, uh, what is it, 18 centimeters or seven inches long, double-bladed, and was used to great effect uh, throughout the war, and then is still in current use. Oh, wow. We don't often get much of a reference to the fact that Snake Eyes likes to collect vintage knives. No. Particularly from the First World War. But, yeah, we've uh, seen we've seen his wall a couple of times, haven't we? Of his um, spike knuckle. Yeah, man. Um, Not recently, though. So Not recently, wonderful no, to no. see that uh, that that yeah. that element of his sadistic character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of Crimson Guard activity across these issues, and the first Crimson Guard we see is one of the Malcolm series. He lives in the house which the Collins family had previously resided in, and he is a bit reluctant possibly he you get almost get the feeling that he's only with cobra because he needs the the crimson Guardsman payment plan um because he actually says you know if i had been able to get health insurance for mom i wouldn't have to be dependent on the crimson guard plan and things would be different Oof. so he's almost saying you know he's he's been forced down this route for financial reasons Larry, at his most political, it's definitely commentary on the privatization of health in North America. Yeah, yeah. Eek. It's just interesting, these little nuggets that you do you do find in his writing quite a lot, yeah. which is, is, is good. Uh, we don't really hear any more from Malcolm across these three issues, but we do hear from Fred's as well, as well as some other... In fact, at the end, I'm just going to skip forward. We, we'll, we'll go back and cover other stuff that's happened. But at the last page of issue 210, Mindbender and... Cobra Commander are talking about stuff, and Mindbender says, he's, uh, Cobra Commander talks about what's happening on the home front, and he, Mindbender says, the Fred series CGs are all in place and ready. And ready. The 
and I think is that supposed to say Carol's, but it says the Carloses, Malcolms, and Jennifers will be ready in two weeks, and the Tylers, Isabellas, Jadas, and Amys will be online the week after that. Should it be Carol's? Uh, Carloses is Carlos a word? Is Carlos a name? Oh, Carl. Carlos. Carlos's. Oh shit! Yeah, of course. There you go. But well done, Chief. If if you if you want to know my honest opinion, I think like you should just have the apostrophe after Carlos. That's and what then, I was thinking. That's why I didn't read Carlos or a plural of Carlos because they put the es. I thought yeah, but even Carol's would be the same. If it was Carol, it would wouldn't have Carol's. ES. Wouldn't have es. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it, yes, Carlos's. An interesting is, yes. turn of phrase. You either do that or you do the apostrophe thing. Some people put a, an apostrophe after the s and then another s. Yeah, I've seen that as well. Yeah, so I like just the apostrophe after the s, but. Me too. Hey, Sorry. birds with a feather, Chief. That's why that's we're on it. this show together. Okay, <laughs> but this that's nice little, nice little. Apart from Chief being stupid, that's a nice little <laughs> indication of there are more than just Freds and and one Malcolm we've seen earlier. There are loads of other CGs um, knocking around. And another thing I want to bring your attention to is when we do get uh, one of the Freds. Uh, I think it's in two oh nine. There's a Fred and there's a little caption box, which box, ah, here it is. So uh, the, it's, the first caption is the Wendy Ling Torres campaign office. And uh, Fred's talking to Wendy. And there's a little box that says Fred191 here, not to be confused with Fred172 in Seattle. And that's Lordy, quite good Lordy. because because I actually got confused with them last, last episode, didn't I? <laughs> so oh, nice, nice of them to put that box for me. Well, look, the numbers, I don't even read the numbers, Chief. I don't know many readers who do. I'm glad they hung a lantern on the fact that, you know, don't be confused. This is a different person. But no one's actually keeping track of the numbers. you just got to kind of keep some handle on what their context is. The one has the kind of daughter-mother team that are, like, testing his loyalty to Cobra. Yes, and that plays out very strangely. It does it now. Yeah, perhaps uh, good in theory, but uh, the execution could have done with some work. I remember I told you I loved that aspect, and I think it reached its kind of pinnacle in the previous ep- issues yeah. Where, yeah. where, you know, it was suddenly thrown into doubt. Like, oh, hang on, the females are like the really yeah. devout Cobras, and they're testing him. Yeah. The well, let's talk, let's, no, that's good. Let's talk about that now, because we, that, it left off there, and they were like, they, they made a call when he left, and they're like, Oh shit! I felt they're going to assassinate this guy because yeah, it felt sinister. He's not Cobra Stock, and then it just goes one eighty, and he comes down, and he's about to assassinate them. Or he tries. Yes. He actually he actually pulls the trigger and goes through with it, only to then realise that the bullets have been replaced. But what? So what led him to? I guess they said, uh, "Oh, let's start a new life." And he wavered and said, maybe. But then them saying, let's start a new life, got to him. And he thought, oh, they're not Cobra stock. I better dispatch them. Hmm. Totally, totally clean and quick. Though, man. And then they just gloss it all over. And they're like, oh, let's just get back into business. What do you want with you? you, How many eggs do you want for your breakfast? (laughs) Well, I I like, look, I like that aspect. It's like, okay, we're all on side. We're all true believers. We've all drunk the Kool-Aid. We can trust one another. Let's just get on with uh, playing happy families, keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the overt monologuing about, and th- this is a tired trope, like replacing the bullets with blanks. Ha- they even go into the detail of putting in fake bullet heads, bullet tips, yeah. so that he wouldn't notice that, uh, that 
that it looks like a blank. Because obviously a blank doesn't look like live ammunition as you load it into the gun. Um, it had a fake tip, but the tip vaporizes on exit because it's made of some <laughs> kind of gelatine. And it's nice just tech. like, wow, that is crazy, man. What yeah. if he decided to stab them or throttle yeah. <laughs> them in their sleep? It's like... Or gas them or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Oh, anyway, anyway, too, too, too many contrivances. Uh, yeah. Like I say, great in theory, and I love the females being these hard-ass bitches, but, yep. you know, the execution could have done with a little bit of tweaking. What about the other Fred? Fred 172 in... Uh, no, that was what Fred 172. Fred 191. <laughs> Gee, don't sweat the numbers. Okay, the dude who blows up Wendy Ling Torres' uh, campaign office and then gets... Well, no, 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 no. That's what I first thought, but they're driving past an armory and I thought they blow up the armory, not her campaign office. Okay. But again, yeah. I'm happy to be wrong. Look, I'm interested uh, to see where this uh, goes. Because, yeah, yeah, you're right. It is the Tri-County Armory that they're driving past and they blow it up, which, yeah. you know, that is Firefly's MO and perhaps to a certain extent, um, maybe Scrap Irons as well. But why Firefly needs this Patsy, I don't know. It, it piques my interest. I'm going to see how it plays out and hopefully listeners and Chief and me, we won't be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. We also find out the name of the, a new G.I. Joe task force. It's Team Mongoose, I think. Uh, and Team Mongoose is in charge of keeping an eye on this new uh, alien technology under the pit in case things go wrong. They're almost like the, the backstop team to shut it down if if it needs to get shut down. And this is where we also find out, we mentioned Roblox earlier, and this is where we find out that Roblox has been chosen as the Joe to almost control Serpentor's consciousness. And... He's going to be hooked up, and there's a couple of interesting bits here where they... Let me just find it. There, Joe and Jane are taking him through why he was selected. They, there was a survey carried out. Uh, one of the questions buried in the survey was, which of your teammates do you trust the most to make the correct ethical decision in a crisis situation? Uh, you got every vote except for one, and then it goes on, and then she says, the very fact that you didn't ask which Joe didn't vote for you is proof that you're the right one. So that led me to believe that he voted for himself. So if there was another Joe that didn't vote for him, Roblox voted for himself. Or <laughs> it just makes me think Jane's perhaps uh, not the best lateral thinker in spite of perhaps her many PhDs. The fact that she didn't realize that like Roadblock was the person who didn't vote for Roadblock. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only one Joe didn't vote for you, Roadblock. And he's like, he, he didn't question that because he was like, yeah, yeah it was I me, didn't vote dickhead. for me. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, yeah, okay. But, um, like I said, Chief, don't sweat the numbers, baby. <laughs> no, but there's also another interesting bit later on where they're, they're hooking him up and he's actually already broken out. That cover for 210 happens and he breaks out and they have a big throwdown. And, well, where, where was throwdown during this throwdown? Uh, he's on another mission. But uh, there's a couple of weird bits where Joe says... Um, Roblox about to to you know tackle Serpento and he says hold off Roblox you don't know your own strength sometimes where's he got that from I don't know what well, that's quite 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 an assumption uh, there's some meta moments all over the place like Roblox actually hangs a lantern on the fact that like Joe and Jane are totally off script on this like they are making it up as they go along which is kind of Roblox looking at the author saying 
Yeah. Where's this what? going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then to add insult to injury, after they finally got Serpentor back under lockdown, uh, Jane says, there is a negative issue which you should be aware of before you commit. There might be the possibility of some backflow leakage some of Serpentor might seep into your consciousness. All right, yeah, let's just plug you in. You know, where was that in the small print at the beginning? It didn't seem to trip up Storm Shadow much. I mean, he should be work- walking around with uh, the, the consciousnesses of yeah, all the of great course. leaders as well. Yeah. Oh, Chief... The regeneration tank. Where has that technology been? <laughs> they put Serpento in this back-to-tank-looking thing to regenerate his eye. And the whole yep. time I'm thinking, man, that would have been really useful on maybe a Joe who has serious burns. Yeah. <laughs> or a, a deceased Joe, like sneak peek perhaps you know <laughs> they've had this on the back burner so there's some inexplicable things yeah, i guess yeah. snake eyes just likes being disfigured now you will call me out on this um because more than likely i've got it wrong and i'll look like a fool but right now you're gonna have to queue up a jingle that we've only ever used once before and it's uh can s job name the joes could it be something in the character pose <laughs> <laughs> i really like that jingle i thought it was a good one it's a great jingle let's have it back Here we go. Name the Joes. I said Stephen's gotta name the Joes. Is there a clue in the character pose? Maybe the outfit or the funky clothes. Do I spy a pair of pantyhose? Some facial hair or distinctive nose. Stephen needs to ID the Joes. Knock them over like dominoes. Or Larry Hammer's polyphonic prose. Can S Jub name the Joes? Um, listen, there's a team which is 5,000 feet over the dog leg between uh, Prupistan and Rudatistan. Ah, Ron Rudatistan. And there's this this team is going to scope out and recon a, a suspected revanche facility out in the desert and they are in the C-130 while Bill and dog fight at the, at the, in the pilot seats. And in the back, I see seven Joes next to the, next to the armored vehicles. Six of these Joes go on mission. And there's one Joe which says, I wish I was going in on the recon instead of just being the getaway driver. And I don't know who that is because I see Outback, Throwdown, Covergirl, Dusty, Bazooka, and Clutch. But who's the seventh one? I'm gonna go on a limb and say Ripcord, probably okay. acting as the the load master for the C130. Oh, he says yeah, jump master. What, uh, jump is it? master, that's yeah, it. Jump master. We are at fifteen, so we're saying Ripcord is, the, but he's never actually name checked. You do, and then you do see him at the top of the next page. I guess that's him seeing the parachutes go. So we're saying you're saying Ripcord, yeah. I am saying right. Ripcord. I'm gonna, like I'm gonna stake my name on it. It's nice like to it. have someone with his level of expertise in paradrops kind of calling the shots because that is his mo yes it's just a pity that he's then not going to go on the further mission something that's uh, that strikes me as odd uh, in a previous letters page on 20 in issue 206 someone said like oh since um lift ticket and wild bill were shot to pieces in the tomahawk by the um the, was his name ishmael uh, yes, or that's right. Yep. Whatever. Yep. The sniper in uh, Olistan, since they were shot, uh, is it possible to see lesser used helicopter pilots like Updraft and Windmill? And Larry's like, yeah, sure. I think we should work in some recuperative time for injured personnel. But yeah. bam, he seems to have forgotten about that because there's Wild Bill. 
no, no, uh, no substitute pilots there. Yep. It's strange to have wild bulls seated next to dogfights. I think they've typically always been assigned to different places as a result of That's their, right. yeah. their kind similarities. Of similar, yeah, yeah the, the orange tash. Uh, my favourite line of dialogue, I think. There's some good... Uh, I say I didn't really like it, but there was some... It probably was an enjoyable read just for the absurdity of the issues. And uh, we see here um, Storm Shadow is fighting off some blue ninjas. They're over. Where actually are they? Are they in the. Just says Japan. I, I don't know what the region of Japan is, but he's over there looking for Granny and the Demon Granny, and her place is surrounded by blue ninjas. And at the end, she comes out to take a couple out, and he says, Your Prada bag technique has become more effective, Auntie Obake. <laughs> Added more bricks, nice. nephew brilliant uh, where was that referenced before uh, it's not the first time characters have used handbags with bricks oh i think it was one of the fred wives she had yes. like a bag filled with with grenades or something and she just when she in the shopping mall when she clocks uh, spirit and blowtorch there aren't they in, pl- yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah yeah good one but yeah i like that one that's that's quite cool and we also speaking get... of weapons storm shadow Okay, you go first. Chief. No, I was just going to say, I'm, why was he over there again? And why were the blue to ninjas take here? Pale Peony's uh, ashes back That's to the right. Roshikage dojo. Turns out she was actually a Roshikage. She was trained by Demon Granny. Yes, yes. And the blue ninjas are there because they want to do what? They want to destroy everything Arashikage and are very ineffective, perhaps uh, uncharacteristically ineffective in doing so. It's interesting that Storm Shadow swaps out his katana for a monofilament weapon. He kind of drops the katana, takes up a a dispatched blue ninja's weapon. But then in the very next issue, he's complaining about how his katana is being blunted by by using it on all these blue ninjas. I'm like, Dude, you should have just stuck with the fucking lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it, man. Yeah, then if you thought that uh, one, if you thought a BN001 wasn't enough, uh, why not just have a BN002? Hey, trading up, man. Let's yeah. see if there are any improvements. It's an ugly piece of work, that's for sure. Sure is, sure is. Very and comic book villain, hey? Yeah, you very comic book villainy. And he's just there to kind of confront Cobra Commander to say, look, what's the plan? We're we working together or what? And. Does anything really progress from that over these next couple of issues? I don't think it really does, does it? A lot of lot of plots and subplots here that just are, are left to linger and kind of just meander along, I guess. But, you know, nothing wrong with that, I suppose, as long as the, the good stuff is picked up. I suppose that the, the advantage of laying down loads of subplots is you've almost got an option as a writer for the next issue or the next few issues uh, which one shall I now pick up the trail of you, you can leave some scattered around Chris Claremont was forever famous for doing that on his X-Men run of over 10 years I think he was on the book the, of just leaving countless hundreds and hundreds of subplots starting subplots that would either not finish or would take you know five six seven years to develop into something else I think we're seeing a lot more of that from Larry now. I don't think we necessarily saw too much of it back in the Marvel run, but I think we're seeing more of it in the IDW run, just laying groundwork. He's totally left to his own devices on the IDW run. Uh, For for good or for ill, back in the Marvel days, he was still putting out a vibrantly supported Hasbro property. You know, there were toys that he had to push. Here he's kind of doing as he pleases because I think the toy line was winding down at this stage. The movie toys were doing its own thing. That was also winding down. In fact, by 2014, yeah, I don't think there was much fresh product coming out of G.I. Joe. No, no. 
So, yeah, he gets to kind of pick and choose what aspects he wants to use. But to be honest, Chief, I think when he's under the pump of, like, I got to do a story about this guy, that guy, that Cobra, that vehicle. Yeah. That's some of his most interesting stuff. It's yeah, like, yeah, I think so. You know, the power yeah. of suggestion and, like, how the heck do I make a guy in a bird suit plausible in this fantastical Cobra organization? Yeah, see, a, a guy in a bird suit, you know, even now, how stupid is that? But I still believe when I read those issues, I'm sucked in. I believe it and I'm fine with it. But when I see a kind of half cyborg drone plane thing that's coming out of the sky <laughs> attacking, who is it? Is it Raymond? No, Ramon. What's his yeah, name? Ramon. I can't even remember what his name is. I don't is. know. Raymond. <laughs> Raymond. <laughs> Budo's uh, Padawan. Yeah, Tyrone's brother. Uh, when I see this thing coming flying out the sky, I'm just like, oh, God, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Too true, Chief. <laughs> and then some spider one attacks Granny later on as well in the, in the next issue. It's like... Hmm, I don't know. I've had a bit too much of these blue ninjas now. I was on their side, but now I'm not on their side. Oh dear, have I have I swayed you? No, I didn't have to sway you. Your own opinion has has yeah, no, marinated fine. on them. Chief, yes. the debut of the Shadow Track. Did you ever have that toy? Uh, I did have that toy. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Chief talks about toys. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I can't remember it, but um, it's good. Did it deploy wings like the AF vehicle from the year before? Or was it purely land-based? Uh, you're asking the wrong man, unfortunately. Uh, fair enough. Mind like a sieve, lost yeah. to the mists of time. That's it. That's but it. Uh, something quizzical about one of those uh, uh, Red Shadows troopers who says, yeah, I was with the Black Major on the Kalingaland tanker raid. Yes. It's like, you know, all big and bad, mouthing off to the assembled... I don't know, the Cobra Cobra Sand Viper? Mm. I guess so, yeah. yeah Misdesigned. Looks... And the Blue Ninja. But, huh, didn't the Black Major escape that alone in a Roboskull? I thought he was the only survivor, but maybe one yeah. guy was in the drink and he bobbing around. And maybe. then um, someone came to pick him up, I guess. Which uh, kind of flies in the face of uh, the Red Shadows kind of fight to the last man. Yeah, suicide, doctrine. you know, whatever. But, hey, it's a new millennium, baby. Yeah. I'm prepared to let that one fly. I just thought I'd flag it for your opinion. No, no, good, good, good. Uh, uh, about the Sand Viper. Yes, please. So that was actually a um, a, a later G.I. Joe design, like from the 2000s. I've got a picture, and I'll send it on to you, Chief. Oh, dear. But, uh, this is an omen, okay. for, it's an omen for another segment, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. This is just a, a bonus for now. Uh, we can put it up on the socials. But uh, Sand Viper... Oh, yeah. um, what they've gone and done is taken a desert scorpion and recolored it to look like this sand viper character. I don't know what a desert scorpion is. Ah, damn. Okay. Uh, 1991 figure came with a giant scorpion, actually, and various bits and bobs. Fascinating figure. If it was in any of these issues, maybe we should talk about it. But yep. I'm going to say that this, this kind of straddles the both of them. And it's my job to point these out. Yeah, of so course, of course. yeah, it's a it's an older figure recolored to look like the namesake, Sand Viper. Yeah, oh, all right, yeah, cool, mm. good, just good stuff. Um, I had a question Picking for you. Peanuts out of poo. I had a question for you. Uh, <laughs> some of the Joes are on a firing range, and we see Roadblock hooked up. I got a bit confused here because I thought Roadblock or Serpentor was going to be controlling this this giant eye, 
and doing something with it, I don't know. And Roblox was there to keep Serpenta in check for whatever he did with this eye. But then it turns out the eye has nothing to do with anything. And Serpenta's consciousness is now inside some giant robot. What's going uh, this I, is... I don't understand at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little higher grade, Chief. <laughs> let, let the big kid explain. No, it's, um, it's a dry run. Before they upload Serpentor's consciousness into this gigantic eye that resides under the pit and, and behemoth that the eye is supposedly attached to, they've got a small-scale kind of robot drone, perhaps? I don't know. Right. But it, it, using the revanche, what was it, 921 technology that they stole from the Dublin lab... They're able to upload the consciousness of Serpentor plus Roadblock, filtered through Roadblock, into this other robot, this other walking tank okay. thing, which right. I've written in my notes, looks like a Constructicon. Sure does. Come on. Sure totally. Does. Yep. Especially with that light shade of green that it's uh, colored with. Yeah, and the glowing eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hook, Mixmaster, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is, this is the test run, and that's why they have, to my chagrin, a... Um, a trio of Joe of classic Joe vehicles, which are apparently early versions. That well, uh, are... that was actually my question. I kind of diverted away from it. The question was going to be oh. uh, where they say remote control of decommissioned early models of the Havoc Mobat and Rolling Thunder. So, is it the case of the the vehicles that we got were these decommissioned ones, and since then there have been new models brought out, or are there only one version of each of those? Yeah, toys. Chief, are you, are you assuming that there's only one, that, that G.I. Joe only gets one of each ride? No, what I'm saying is, I'm saying these these ones we see here, which would be the familiar toys to us, and there's multiple, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say there's multiple versions of each, multiple copies of each, multiple iterations, but uh, what I'm saying is, is there a version 2 Rolling Thunder and a version 2 Havoc and a version 2 Mobat? Did they ever get, uh, like, only- like figures get different upgraded versions, did the vehicles ever get secondary versions? Yeah, the Havoc was re-released in the sub-team Sky Patrol, and that's how I uh, initially became acquainted with it. But is that just of... different paint jobs, or is there wildly yes. different designs? Or I'm saying, is there is there different oh, designs of vehicles? just like a Hiss 2. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, no, the closest thing I can think of, uh, as an example, is uh, there was a Havoc in name only released, but it was actually the Snowcat mold. Just okay. coloured to look like the Havoc. So red missiles and a green chassis instead of the white with the orange missiles. Right. But you posed a very good question there about Ooh. is there only one Rolling Thunder? Is there only one Havoc? And now we're kind of led to believe that is the case in the comic because we never see more than one of each of these types of vehicle side by side. Mm, I think the Havocs and or Mobats, I'm sure I've seen it like a group shot where there have been rows of duplicate vehicles. But the Rolling Thunder to my mind, is kind of a, a once-off. Off. Yeah, yeah it, it, it seems to be purpose-built for the sole purpose of deploying those insane missiles. Like, that's its yes. job. It is, it is, that's like G.I. Joe's final solution. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> turn of phrase. But, like, that's like if the shit hits the fan and G.I. Joe needs to push the button. Yeah. That, that, that's what the Rolling Thunder is. Yeah. It was kind of almost misused in the, the pages of G.I. Joe then. I guess they didn't want to go with the overt violence option, but it was used as like a tank. You know, it was kind of mixing it up on that makeshift island with uh, maggots and crushing bugs and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. And then it was on uh, the Cobra Island Civil War. But to my mind, the Rolling Thunder is the thing that you keep way, way back in the rear, man. Yeah. The hand yeah, of God kind right. of weapon. Um, other points we want to pick up on? I just want to pick up something here. It's a bit undersized in that group shot, though. It is, yeah. You've, yeah, look, you've had a Rolling Thunder. Ben had one. I didn't have one. Yeah. It would dwarf the Havoc and the Mobat. Here it looks more streamlined. It looks smaller and squatter than the Mobat and the Havoc. Yes, yes. Just I want to pick up here, back in Japan, Night Creepers have been sent with Techno Vipers. I think at one point, Cobra Commander called them Support Vipers were to send over to Japan, and it turns out they are Techno Vipers. I guess Techno Vipers are support. But one of the Night Creepers has got a, a knife or a sword in his face, and it's probably Raymond, I think it is, who says, this one's still kicking, maybe we can get some answers. And he says, you have to pull my biosensor implants. Now, maybe this is something just my naivety. I wasn't aware that Night Creepers actually had implants. Well, maybe it's an, a further evolution of yeah. them. I mean, yeah. they were posited as the kind of the high-tech ninjas, even though their equipment never really uh, gave us that sense, at least not with a toy. But uh, maybe they have been all too happy to kind of partner with uh, the Blue Ninjas and gain yeah. some of that. Yeah, I'm happy you know, with that. Make a deal with the devil. I'm only making that up as I go along, man. I, I don't know if that's the real reason. Yeah. I think it's pretty hardcore that people undergo to have their... You know, if their heart stops beating, that they blow up. And in that case, why haven't more of these guys blown up? Yes, correct. Because there's carnage everywhere. Surely uh, the one that Raymond uh, corners isn't the only one hooked up to this this personal no, explosive no. device. One other thing, nice to see Bazooka on a mission. I don't remember the last time he was actually on mission, uh, other than yep. just being in a panel in the pit. But nice to see him there, which is good. Obviously, nice to see Black Major back. Like you say, Chief, it, it's it's not um, particularly uh, critically acclaimed, shall we say. No. But it's fun. It kind of goes past you in, in a big flurry of color and action and personnel. You know, yes. you see a bunch of people, so many characters that are being thrown at us. And Gallant is definitely up to the task of bringing all these designs to vibrant life. Do we yo-jo it here or not? We probably can't. I mean... We know we've got a definitive four-issue arc coming up next, which is 2.12 to 2.15, and we will actually be covering those four issues all as one on the next episode. We've got a special guest coming into the studio to help discuss those four issues, someone who was involved in producing those issues. So, And, well, we might as well name it. Uh, SL Galant is coming in, everyone. So what? to talk about... That's it, to talk about the Death of Snake Eyes, those four issues. So everyone, buckle up, stay tuned, read those issues in prep for that. But in terms of these three we've just covered... Is there enough of a closing off point to Yo-Joage? Probably not because we're in the middle of, you know, the Red Shadow stuff and all that. So let's let's see what we can do. Let's see. We won't Yo-Joage yet. We'll see if we can include it as part of the next arc or whatever. But um, like I said, that I didn't like them and you were like, it was. I enjoyed reading them and now I've kind of come around a little bit to it is, it is what it is. And you have to, I don't think you can go in expecting the same thing from every single story or arc or issue especially when Larry's involved, you know you're going to get some humorous stuff. You know you're going to get some wacky, silly stuff. You know you're going to get some, you know, political stuff. You're going to get this kind of hard-boiled thing. So as long as you're adaptable and you don't mind certain different genres, then I think everyone will have a good time. Oh, and you're also going to get toys, Chief. The Wolverine is so lovingly uh, presented. Even got the sticker on the back saying Wolverine. 
So yeah, cool. Nice, As it's nice. kind of about to tumble off the back of the C-130. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, Outback uses his included torch accessory. That sort of angle head torch okay, yeah, 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 when they're yeah. observing the map. Yeah, like that kind of attention to detail blows my mind, man. Yeah, it shows such hero. love and care for this IP, which, you know, it's not even an IP that is still in existence. I mean, we are, I am gushing about an accessory of a toy that was released onto the shelves at retail in 1987. It is so far gone defunct, but it's still <laughs> lovingly brought to, to life in these pages. Yes, yes, very much so. Listen, we you, we mentioned toys briefly. Two more toy updates here. Number one, we hope you checked out Chief's Toy Box on G.I. Joe YouTube channel, which was me and my man S. Jubs, 35 minutes of digging through my box, picking out toys and discussing. And we will be recording, maybe tomorrow if you're free, recording episode two, and putting that out, well, we've got no schedule for that. It goes out when it goes out. You know, we'll let you know when it's out and it's there. So potentially another couple of episodes to dig through my box. Hope you enjoyed that. But right now, if you want toys immediately, ASAP, up in your grill, you're in the right place because it's time for Steve Talks Toys. Steve talks about toys, ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Don't look at your phone right now, Chief. <laughs> okay, I've, it vibrated and a message came through, but I've not looked. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of uh, sending too early. <laughs> I was going to say, is it something I need to delete without looking at? You not sent me a dick pic or anything, have you? <laughs> I've got a true story uh, to tell about that uh, some other stage. But uh, who do you suppose we are concentrating All right, on? All right, that would have given it away. I get it. I get it now. Today. Um, have we done he's not in it much have we done Outback uh, uh, we have not no and the, the, your hesitation told me that it's not Outback uh, terrible liar um, never play poker with who, him who else have we maybe it's, it's a red shadow <laughs> was it the shadow track that tipped you off <laughs> well can I look now chief I'm looking you'd be wrong mate oh shit Serpentor bam yeah yes. Yeah, did you have this guy as a child? Did not. Did not have. Ooh, okay. Did not have. Well, as always, uh, as a good kind of setting of the tone for the chat, let me read his file card. Codename Serpentor, Cobra Emperor. A secret cabal of Cobra scientists under the direction of the Interrogator and Destro combed the tombs, sarcophagi, and relics of the great despots of history to find cells with DNA traces. From these long-dead genetic blueprints, they produced a composite clone with the military genius of Napoleon, the ruthlessness of Julius Caesar, the daring of Hannibal, and the fiscal acumen of Attila the Hun, the ultimate Cobra Emperor. A master of political intrigue and a brilliant tactician, he is capable of wresting power from Cobra Commander for the benefit of the interrogator and Destro. Fortunately for the Joes, the Cobra Emperor's own ambitions were not taken into consideration by his creators. His eyes have seen the legions of Rome trample the Gauls and Nervi into the dust. Pfft, whatever the hell that is. I don't know. His hand lifted the horsehair baton that signaled the first charge into the Carth <laughs> Carthaginian armored elephant phalanx. 
His ears have heard the rattle of French cuirassiers on the streets of Moscow. But his mind we must fear the most. The thoughts of the Cobra Emperor have not drifted from global conquest since the reign of King Solomon. Chief, hmm. not only but is it a toy, a vehicle driver... It's a history lesson. It's a history... <laughs> it's a whole mouthful of gigantic words that children would no doubt need to either be mystified or ask parents about or look up or all of the above. But also it's a play pattern. Like this file card gives you the idea of how this guy is supposed to be used. Yeah. He is wresting control from Cobra Commander, boom, to try and give it over to Destro and the interrogator, which is actually the prototype codename for Dr. Mindbender. Yeah. Ah. But it also, this file card speaks of the fact that he ain't, he ain't going to play ball. Once Serpentor has wrestled power from Cobra Commander, he does not plan on giving it to Destro and Dr. Mindbender. Nope. He, he's going to play his own game. Yeah, so yeah. Cobra gets political intrigue. They always kind of teetered on the edge, but no one had ousted the number one head snake until Serpentor. Controversial figure, controversial character. What do you think of him, Chief? When I first saw him, probably in... When, now, when, would I, when did the movie come out? 87. Yeah. Uh, I'm Probably just a little bit later in the UK. It was I'm a just, straight to VHS release. I'm just trying to, yes, yes. And I'm just trying to wonder if my first introduction was the movie or the comic. I don't don't know. Possibly the movie, maybe. And even though yep, mine you know, too. I, I wasn't into the, I didn't never watch the G.I. Joe cartoon. Just the movie was probably the only one I watched. And I, I didn't like the character to begin with. I thought it was too wacky and too out there. And he doesn't have much to do in the movie, to right. be honest. I mean, okay. he gets incapacitated and taken prisoner. And then when he returns to Cobra Law, Galobulus is kind of calling the shots. Right. Uh, okay. You know, Serpentor is very much the Darth Vader to the Grand Moff Tarkin. Emperor. You know? Or uh, Moff Tarkin, yeah. And it wasn't yeah. at a later date until I, I swung the other way and started to really, really, you know, enjoy and like this character. Uh, I, I still do to this. I love Serpentor. I think he's great. Ah, nice. I didn't have the figure until last year, okay? Right. That's when I got my first Serpentor. It was going for a song on a Singaporean kind of eBay equivalent. It's called Carousel. Uh, but the cool thing about it and the cool thing about Singapore being, you know, one island nation and everyone being so damn trustworthy there, you actually meet up in person, take a look at the goods, and if you like it, you, you pay cash All right. on the spot. Yeah, yeah. No need to muck around with the postage or the possibility that the, the thing is defective. It's all very, very personable. Uh, anyway, so this guy had uh, immaculate conditions, a pencil and air chariot from his own childhood. So only one owner. Wow, what a novelty. Jumped on it for that reason alone. Because like you, the character I didn't feel much for in the early days. But now he adds that intriguing bit of spice, which I think maybe... Larry has started to embrace, you know, a very against type. He has reintroduced Serpentor into the mix. He hasn't done much other than, like, throw a fit and get put down by Roadblock. But, like, the fact that that Larry is willing to address him at all speaks volumes. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, something that you and Ben remarked on in the early days of Talking Joe is the fact that, like, Serpentor pops out of the, the, the continuity for huge tracts of issues. Like, he's really not... Yeah. The central focus, like Cobra Commander was. 
So Larry's disdain for this character is evident. He did not like the idea that he was phasing out Cobra Commander because he always felt Cobra Commander was more interesting, more scheming, maniacal, and, and had a following. To suddenly turf him out because they needed to move a new toy um, seemed very counterintuitive for his narrative. But there always existed the possibility that Serpentor could become a very interesting character, and certainly he was in the early days. And he gave us the Cobra Civil War. He would not have existed if there hadn't been that that ruction between him and Fred Seven. Yeah. Now, now, talk to me about the toy itself. Many variations of the same toy. The classic toy has a number of differences. Uh, originally, the, the neck was painted. They did away with that and just kept the neck flesh tone for further releases uh, because I think the paint wore off. That was the one theory. There are divided chins on the kind of the snake head uh, and there are flush chins. The snakes, the included snake accessory, has color variations up the wazoo. Even the date stamp on his butt or his, his country of origin stamp was changed from Hong Kong for the 1986 and 87s, I think, to then China for the mailaways as production moved from Hong Kong to China. Right. The vehicle might be worth talking about, albeit briefly. Yeah. <laughs> Serpentor's very fragile, um, easily torn cape. It's not really a cape, is it? It kind of just goes over his arms. Yeah, like a shawl almost, yeah. <laughs> like, it's hilarious to me that uh, the writers opted to, to, to make use of this in the, the movie because it was begging for it. The fact that that cape dangles right above the intake fan on the air chariot. <laughs> yep. Come on. Just dying to happen. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that it's just a ballsy thing, man. That air chariot is so exposed and so vulnerable. Unless it had some kind of personal shielding equipment, you know, put your emperor on that to ride into battle. I suppose it does tie in nicely to the fact that he's got this kind of ancient bravado of yes. riding on a chariot, literally a chariot into yeah. battle. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it kind of fits his MO in one of the comics, it might be issue 50, where he jumps down and there's a fallen Cobra Trooper, doesn't he pick him up in his arms and kind of carry him back and shows his, the rest of the troops that he, you know, he's the ultimate leader. He's there for them, supporting them, fighting alongside them. Hearts so, and minds, baby. Hearts it. and minds. Yep. Yeah, no, great stuff. Later versions, I don't think there's really much to be spoken about here. I've never had the 25th anniversary version to hand, but it does some weird things. Like, I suppose I suppose it doesn't really do some weird things. The, the original toy's construction was weird because you could never get that damn snake head off his, his face. And it kind of really put distance between you getting any kind of character out of this guy. Yeah, I agree. There was a comic pack version that used the original O-ring tooling, but the the helmet, the snake head, was removable. So you see a lot more character, and he's got this great, like, scowl. That would be version 3 from 2005. Okay, interesting. That was a version that my buddy Rob got, and since then I've had a slight fascination with the character, or at least the, the action figure. Yeah. But then the 25th anniversary version gave him a completely shaven head. Which makes him look almost gladiatorial. He looks yeah. like a real beefcake with a you know with a, a cue ball head. Yeah, um, interesting. No, that's good. It's that's not good. a disagreeable look. Have you have you got this in front of your peepers? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking Keep now. Them, yeah, yeah. I think the character does look quite regal, and you know it is. It kind of sets him apart from 
maybe even other members of the Cobra hierarchy. Oh, hell yeah. Although, if you, if you think about it, they all do have features. So I guess Mindbender kind of has the shaved head, the twirly moustache and the monocle. Destro kind of, although Destro, I'm putting him in with Cobra at the t- for the time being of that time period when he kind of was aligned with Cobra. You know, he's got a, a silver a silver face mask. Um, Cobra Commander, obviously, the hood. Zartan has got, you know, obviously a very funky look about him. So they all do have very distinct individuality individual parts of their outfit to make them stand out so, but i think serpentor probably is the one that goes even further with you know uh, a headdress that has actual teeth coming out and the big cobra hood you know uh, over the back over the shoulders and i don't know it's I, I like the look of the figure in terms of cultish iconography if you're going to create this snake organization that has has got a lot of cultish aspects. Like Serpentor is that poster child, like almost almost pseudo religious figure. Yeah. You know, yeah. he he's an emperor, therefore it is his God given birthright to rule. Like there's something that, that transcends just the regular lines of leadership when it comes to Serpentor. He is he's created out of Cobra to lead Cobra. Yeah, very very much so. He was almost like we've been working towards this to this will be the final nail in the coffin of society when we when we get him up and running this is it this is the last piece of the puzzle before cobra dominance rod wiggum even gave him like snake fangs in his introduction yeah yeah i can clearly see a close-up of serpentor's visage by mr wiggum where he's got like very very enlarged canines yeah so Part of his genetic soup might actually be this kind of almost snake-like reptilian, I don't know, mutancy. Uh, I'd like to think that maybe yeah. he does. And, and for an organization called Cobra that has a snake named vehicles, is he perhaps the first Cobra figure to actually have snakes on his uniform, as whether they be symbols or adornments or anything because i don't i can't think of any other figures or characters that actually had snake emblems or anything uh, apart from the the cobra logo itself you'd be right chief yeah he he was the first one to come with a snake uh subsequent figures have 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 replicated that uh finally we got a cobra commander i think in the the movie line they came with a cobra snake because it was always kind of like his bond villain thing in the early issues like there was always like, some kind of cobra swanning about in, around in a, cobra commander's no, lair staff or something around a globe yeah. Yeah. yeah that was great stuff like handing off this giant snake to an underling <laughs> like you you take care of that it's, it's getting snappy um <laughs> it's waking up its blood is, is warming yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah, man, but you're right. Serpentor was the, was the first one to come with a snake in all its various colors. <laughs> wow, it is a headache trying to get all the variations. Even snakes on uniforms. No, there were no other troopers or, or characters that had even just like a snake tattoos or snakes on the uniform, even not discounting the actual physical snakes. But um, Serpentor, there you go. There you go. I wonder how long he'll be around in this run of the comics. Um, Chief doesn't know because um, his memory is shot. And would I like to see him redressed in his original garb in the pages of the comics? Probably would. Probably would, to be honest. Maybe that is a wish that will go unfulfilled. We shall find out. And you can find out with us, listeners. Uh, Ill, you'll probably know if you're aware of the issues anyway. But um, good stuff. Thank you very much for uh, putting Serpentor back in our lives. And there'll be more toys next week. <laughs> 
right now, though, it's time to confuse people with Commonwealth colloquialisms, aka over egg in the pudding. I got it right this time. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. Chief, I got a twofer for you when it comes to the Aussie because they sound so so similar. Arvo and Ambo. Okay, Arvo, A R V O means afternoon. Bravo. Okay. And what was the other one? Ambo. Ambo. Hmm, slightly more tricky. Ambo. Oh, give us a pint of Ambo. No. Um, how you going? I'll put you at your misery, mate. We'll uh, an Ambo is an ambulance. Ah, okay. Uh, yes. There's a short form for everything Very in Aussie. Very good. Very yep. good. Um, yep. Mackers. Uh, I'm gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna have one of these a bit later. I'm gonna have a butty. A butty. What? Butty. B u t t y. A cake. Uh, not a cake. No. A butty. No. Uh, a, a, a woman's ass. Uh, <laughs> well, it is a, well, well, it is her birthday, so anything's possible. The batty. Uh, so, butty. No, you, I probably wouldn't say butty. I'd probably put another word in front of it, which will just give it away. But it is, it is commonly referred to as a butty. But the mo- two most common butties in the UK would be a chip butty or a bacon butty. Mm, like a roll. So it's just, yeah, it's just, effectively, it's just a sandwich or a, a roll. Sub- so it's a buttered, the butty refers to the butter. So it's just a heavily buttered roll, soft roll or a sandwich, and then just a bacon. So a bacon sandwich or quite common in the UK, a chip butty. So as in potato, as in chips, not, you know, fries, not as in crisps, but UK version of chips inside a heavily buttered roll or sandwich, yeah. I was going to give you a different South African one, but since we're on the topic of a butty, in SA, more often than not, what you would refer to as a butty, we would call a Gatsby. A Gatsby? I like that. Yeah, Gatsby. Typically with, like, masala steak inside, and uh, the balance of it would be, like, chips, and I don't mean... Like crisps, I mean, <laughs> what Yanks would call French fries, um, but not the stringy kind, like the really Chunky. sloppy, yeah, like, yeah. F- yeah, fish and chip shop yeah, kind. Yeah, good, good. Yep, yep. We call those slop chips because they're sloppy. Okay. Gatsby. <laughs> yeah, man. A Gatsby. I'm going to use I that. I have no idea what the, what the origin is, but yeah, that's a big old, it's like a sub, I guess, but... Okay. No, not much salad. Right. Just meat. I'm, I'm going to make a uh, eggs. I'm going to make a Gatsby uh, after this for my lunch. I'll send you a pic. See if it holds mustard. Do it. Yeah, yeah. It should hold mustard. <laughs> <laughs> it is two enormous pieces of bread. Good stuff. Good stuff. Chief. Um, wow. Yes. You you better sing for me, Chief. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were going to straight into it. I, oh, I don't even know the our own show. <laughs> We asked you a question, listeners across all the social media platforms, and you responded, as you always do, with some good responses that came to us that we're going to read out some of them, because we asked you a question. Some platforms did better than others. Yes. Well, this is interesting, because (laughs) the question was, what is your favourite animated movie? And we wanted two. We wanted traditionally you know animated traditional style and then cgi maybe some you know graphical computer graphic generated imagery for anim- i don't know what i'm talking about here basically two types of animated movie we wanted and the question we had last week i've mentioned to steve off air before we came on the question last week 
the response was heavily, heavy weighted to Instagram and, you know, 70 responses in terms of, well, I don't even know what the question was. Oh, yeah, who are your, who's the most underrated G.I. Joe content creators out there? And Instagram weighed in the heaviest. But for this week, Facebook seems to, the Facebook Talking Joe page seemed to be the one that was far and away the most activity. Yeah, man. I think the the only thing I can draw from that is Insta is very much about big upping people, adding people, hashtagging people, you know, social connectivity and name dropping, essentially. Yeah. Facebook obviously is far more discursive. And I think Facebook is still the biggest social media platform. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess we're we confined ourselves a little bit because obviously it is a closed group. You have to, you know, ask to enter the group and we'll admit you in. So it wasn't like it was going out to all of our Facebook uh, friends, mine and yours across the whole of Facebook. It was just contained within that 120 strong community we got there, but but still the response was good. Lively chats though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you're not part of the Facebook group, uh, get on there and uh, join in. You know it's any responses that really catch your eye, Chief? Well, the first the first one was when we posed a couple of questions offline to each other about what the question would be this week, and there was like two or three options, and then I said, what about this animated movie one? You said, let's go with that, if only so we can see how many people say Into the Spider-Verse is their favourite movie. And <laughs> um, I think only one person <laughs> mentioned it, did they? Or did anyone? Did anyone? Maybe, no. Maybe not. I was wanting to have that conversation. You were convinced that everyone would say that movie, yeah. (laughs) Save it for a rainy day. S. Jubbs' Into the Spider-Verse story. Okay. God. But yeah, yeah. uh, Anything that really um, stood out for me? Well, lots of movies that I either A, haven't seen or even hadn't heard of. So that was good. So as always, I use these questions as a bit of help for chief so as with content creators that i wasn't aware of bang i'm now following those or looking at their work and here um from looking at these movie responses that's cool i've now got a backlist of movies for me to actually dig out and watch so that's good so partially selfish on my part but um yeah i don't know um anything that stood out well i'm gonna shout out my man andrew hyatt uh, who loved the the robin hood ah yeah from the the late 70s where robin hood is played by a fox yeah it pales in the shadow of uh, of the Jungle Book, which came out some years before that, and it reused a number of anima- animation cells and backgrounds and things. All right, but Robin Hood was the one that I connected with. We had the tape at home, and that was absolutely magical for me. So thanks, Andrew, for 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 tossing that into the cauldron because, man, me and my brother and sister could basically monologue the entire film. Wicked, and and I know you have that ability with Star Wars, Chief, yeah. but. Uh, for us, it was it was Robin Hood, and it was a, a lovely kind of bonding experience That's cool. with the, the siblings. I mean, on long road trips, we would obviously not be able to watch it. Uh, we didn't have no smartphones or tablets yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we would kind of create it on the backseat. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Jimmy is definitely putting things on my playlist because I've never seen Appleseed. Same. Are you a fan of anime? Um... Yes and no. I think oh, I found I found that found the post. <laughs> a, fan, a fan of its influence, perhaps, yeah, more than yeah. actually being a diehard. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I don't go out and seek it out necessarily, or oh, I need to catch that movie. But if someone recommends me something good, then I, I will give it a go definitely. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much interest I have in a critically acclaimed anime. I'm more of the the, the bubblegum generation of like Gundam, right? Okay, <laughs> enjoyers, you know, and Macross that sort of thing. Yes, yes. There are far more thought-provoking and beautiful anime out there. 
and I'm sure this apple seed is 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 there. Yeah. A couple of shouts actually for Black Cauldron here from a traditional. That's a kind of almost a lost, forgotten Disney movie. I can't even remember anything about it. So I do have Black Disney Cauldron. Plus channel, so I might check that out. Oh, I always loved the Rescuers. Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. magical. That was to good. Me. That was good. <laughs> of course, Mark said and said, "Has anyone said GI Joe the movie yet?" And I don't think they. Oh, someone did. Yeah. Hate it or love it, Joe, but there, there's only one animated movie in the history of animated movies that has Serpento in it. <laughs> so, make mine, Joe. Yes, yes, yes. How about you, Chief? Come on, pal. Let's turn the microphone well, on, on the just, Chief Just dog. very quickly, I just want to say, um, from a CGI point of view, I wondered how many Pixar movies we'd get. There was Incredibles was mentioned, and I think my... Up? Yeah, Up was mentioned. I think my favourite Pixar would probably be Wally, and... I think when it came out, uh, I had said to a few people, I think this is the best-looking movie I've ever seen, whether it be CGI or live-action. I just thought it, it just looked sensational. And I think any time you're animating non-human or organic matter, all the CGI is, always looks better because getting the, the movement and the gait of animals or humans is always very tricky. But... Here, obviously, we've got a robot just shoveling, you know, waste. And I don't know, it just looked so... The waste looked so beautiful. It just looked like such a good-looking movie. So Wally might be my favourite CGI movie, but from a traditional animated stance, I'm actually going to go to a movie called Animal Olympics from 1980. And this is probably in my top 20 movies of all time, regardless of animation or not. This movie I've probably watched 50 times. Probably only Star Wars trilogy I've watched more. This is very niche. It is a movie centering around the Olympics, except obviously it's Animal Olympics. And it's got uh, Harry Shearer does some voices, um, Gilda Radner, um, Billy Crystal. And it's just snapshots of all these different sports. So you get swimming, you get athletics, you get weightlifting basketball right up chiefs alley man. it's just yeah right right up to you. And, and with with a lack of uh, olympics this year in real life this uh, kind of slipped right in and it's 78 minutes it's available on youtube to watch for free but not apparently if you're in australia <laughs> sorry ozzy seems we're region blocked over here i better use a vpn but go and if you haven't seen it it's just it's so i don't know it's probably something of its time and this is a really good point where nostalgia probably plays a part. But if you've not seen it before and you go and watch it, you'll be like, what is this I'm watching? You might not get it. But for me, because I watched it as a kid, it was rented from the video shop by my parents and probably on repeat every week I would get the same movie out over and over again. And so it was just part of me growing up watching this movie that none of my friends had watched. No one knows about this movie apart from me, it seems. Although you, you did said, you said to me offline that you remember watching this. Yeah, Chief. I had it on tape. I taped it off TV. Yeah. But of course, I missed the start of it. Right. And then someone taped over like the last 10 minutes. So I had this like snapshot of Animal Olympics. And like you, I think I must, must have watched it about 50 times. Yeah. yeah anyway, no. I've put one in the Dropbox it's, for you. So do watch it. You beauty. And oh, it's just, I just love it. It's just, it's, it's like satire and comedy. And the music is great in it. The songs are great in it. And, uh, you know, Please, everyone, go and check it out on YouTube. I'll, I'll, I was going to say I'll post a link, but just Google Animal Olympics YouTube and you'll find it. If you are in another region that doesn't support it, let me know and uh, I'll stick it in a Dropbox to share it with everyone. <laughs> and you stuck it on your uh, your letterboxed tally by now, surely, Chief. It's on the letter. 78 minutes. That's, that's easy. That's it. Five stars, baby. Five stars. Love it. Um, 
Transformers <laughs> the movie, obviously. That would probably be my second most favourite traditional animated movie. Oh shit, what are we going to do now? <laughs> now, that is a genuine expletive in a toy movie. Yeah, 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 yeah for real. Was it Spike who Spike. says, oh shit, what are we going to yeah. do now? Yeah. Making mm. up for the beachhead one that wasn't a beachhead one that Ben still says beachhead says it. <laughs> Shit, hey, when are we doing that special, man? <laughs> Come on. Talking yes. Joe talks G.I. Joe yes, the movie. Yes. Uh, shout out to Darren Believe here. It. Uh, Lego, Lego movie is another one of my favorite CGI movies. That's a great movie. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. When I realized that everything, including the water coming out of the taps, <laughs> was a actual Lego piece. I was like, my jaw hit the floor. And the whole time I was just, I think I was more intrigued by just seeing how everything was put together yes. than than the story or anything like but also and this is something that like through my play motions i've i've uncovered what is the the soft and squishy heart of gi joe that everyone connects with yep. and it is us as children at play there you go you can imbue these plastic characters with 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 three-dimensional personalities but we love to see our toys being played with on screen. There you go. Like, that's something that I think anyone who strays from the original designs of G.I. Joe doesn't get. And anyone who strays from the original concept of G.I. Joe doesn't get. It's like, as much as you can make it feel like these characters are playthings and your audience are a bunch of men children, <laughs> you know, 30, 40, 50 something year olds who just want to feel those nostalgia pangs again. Like, if you can't get that notion, you're sunk. And the Lego movie got it. In that moment, I was galvanized. I was like, this is what I want from a G.I. Joe movie. I want to see rivets on Duke's elbows. <laughs> I want to see that. It's, it's going to be kind of like Small Soldiers, but it won't be because it'll be about an IP that I care about. G.I. Joe. Suspension of Disbelief. Yes. So far, my YouTube channel is the only one that does it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There are stop motion channels out there, but you get what I mean. Yeah, like, definitely. I, I play with my toys in front of a That's camera. What you should do. People That's what you watch should that do, shit. Go, go, go watch that shit. That's it. Uh, two last quick shouts for me uh, Mulan um, and The First Toy Story are another two of my favorites. But yes, um, good link to go and check out all our other stuff. I'm over on Chiefy Two Shoes posting up daily art pics. A lot of Cobra and G.I. Joe related ones recently, obviously for Cobra Convergence Month. Go and check out the G.I. Joe Berg uh, YouTube channel where you'll see more of the Chief and S-Jubs doing some toy unboxing and obviously our Cobra discussion over on YouTube and obviously all the good stop motion stuff that um, Joe Berg's putting out as always over there. And check out the um, Talking Joe Facebook group and join up with the party Talking Joe Comics over on Instagram and Talking underscore Joe on Twitter but uh, with all that said and done we will catch you down the road we've been Talking Joe we're all out of Joes yo Joe <coughs> yeah now we're all out of Joes <laughs>